Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. In today's episode, a wrap-up of the WGE, and we talk about juniors. We also feature an interview with Cynthia Ricciotti. If you don't know Cynthia, she's an upcoming player out of Columbia, Missouri. She's only 15, but she's really good, and you can catch videos of her on YouTube, including the most recent Luck of the Draw video from Emporia, where you can see her outdrive both Ricky and Paige. We also have an interview with Ava Meyer, a local junior here in Kansas City that plays a bunch of tournaments. We also will answer your listener questions and do a quick wrap up of FPO play from the last few weeks. All right, time to talk ladies disc golf. Hi, everyone. This is Becca Kephart. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited to have Lupe Harada back in the studio, along with a new to the podcast, Amy Crow. Amy is a disc golfer, part of a disc golfing family, and you might recognize her from the front page of the PDGA website. Steve Hill interviewed our Rhonda Crosby, and the article featured a photo with Amy. Amy has been heavily involved in the Diva Spring FIVA tournaments here in Kansas City as well. So Amy, can you tell us a little bit about how you came to disc golf? Um, well, the last time that I was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and how many times has that been, Amy? Uh, that's five. Good, okay. And uh, the last time I was pregnant, um, Matt had been playing for a long time. He's been playing since um, pretty regularly since we moved to Kansas City in 99. And I needed something to do. And so I would go out with him sometimes. And I didn't really enjoy it very much because, like many women, I was comparing myself to him, which was a bad idea because I was brand new and pregnant. And he was not pregnant and experienced. So <laughs> I um, went out sometimes with him. And I guess I got to the point where I enjoyed it enough that I remember one day he came home from work. And I had my stuff, and he goes, "Where? What are you? You know, what are you doing?" I said, "I am going to go out to Swope, and I'm going to play disc golf." And he goes, "Ah, uh, by yourself right now?" <laughs> and I was like, "Yes, I am. I'll see you in a little bit." <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that's how I started. Awesome. So, did you start kind of playing tournaments right away, or had you already known? No, um, I can't remember how long really I had been playing before I heard about the divas and okay. Rhonda and I had not ever met any of the ladies at all but I looked them up on Facebook and I saw the schedule and Rhonda had her phone number on there so I called her and I said you know I just wanted to make sure that this is something that's accurate this is still happening it's not all information and I called her and she was herself wonderfully Rhonda and <laughs> made me feel very excited and welcome yeah. and I should come out and I remember after I hung up the phone and I was about to leave and I said Matt I feel like I'm gonna throw up I'm so nervous to go out to this, to this league right. um, but I got out and it was fantastic and you know I was yeah. nervous because it's my not my favorite thing to meet new people and kind of awkward and weird yeah and um, but I was going to that for a long time until it didn't really work schedule wise for us anymore and um, so I don't play at this point really with the women that often. Mm-hmm. I don't do tournaments too much. I mean, there's money involved. There are right. now three of us that want to play tournaments. So right. there's time scheduling issues, yeah. um, childcare issues, right. all that kind of stuff. So I don't do a lot of tournaments, um, but I really like to play 
Yeah. We, depending on the week, I go out um, often once a week, sometimes as many as four or five times. Yeah. All right. And that brings us to our segment, What You've Been Disking, where each one of us shares one thing disc golf related we're excited about. Lupe, what you got? Uh, I'm just excited about all the upcoming tournaments now that the weather isn't completely awful and, yeah. you know, freezing. <laughs> uh, I mean, we still have to deal with humid here in Kansas City, but I'm ready for Battle of Cliff Drive. I'm ready for uh, Midwest Amateur, yeah. which is one of my favorites. I think it was the first tournament I ever played like yeah. in 2015 or 16. Uh, but yeah, that's that's what I'm excited for. Very cool. How about you, Amy? Um, I think that I am probably looking forward to Jonas going to Junior Worlds. Yeah. Because that's definitely going to happen. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. I've got like so many things to pick from this week, which is a really cool problem to have. Uh, but the one that I'm going to pick, so I work afternoons and evenings, and I have for pretty much all of my adult life as a musician. So when I first started playing disc golf, uh, the Women's League in the winters meets on Sundays, and I was able to go. But then in the spring and summertime, it's on Monday evenings, and that's not a time that I can make. So I played by myself a lot over the last year. And I'm so excited because there was a new to Kansas City person who got on the Disc Golf Divas Facebook page and has like the same schedule as me and was looking for somebody to play with. And then I've got a friend of mine at work and her boyfriend's really hardcore into disc golf. So she wanted to come play. So there was the three of us and we thought, well, hey, there might be more and they really want to meet more people. So we kind of formalized it a little bit this last week and started a Wednesday morning women's disc golf league. So I'm really excited about that and just super thankful to have people to play with <laughs> and to not have to play by myself. It's, it's really neat. So I am very, very excited about that. Okay, very good. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, our interviews with Cynthia Ricciotti and Ava Meyer. Looking for the perfect disc golf disc to take your game to the next level? Ladies First Disc Golf makes the disc selection process easy with an inventory of women's friendly discs. Ladies First Disc Golf wants to make sure you are looking and feeling great on the course. Jazz up your disc golf wardrobe with a large selection of apparel items for women disc golfers chosen and designed by women's disc golfers. At Ladies First Disc Golf, the ladies always come first. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com for all of your women's disc golf, disc, apparel, and accessory needs. I am here with Cynthia Ricciotti. Cynthia, thank you so much for coming to talk with me today. No problemo. So Cynthia, how did you start playing? Um, so I was in, coming into my first year of middle school, so sixth grade, um, there was a, an after school intramural sports program. So I had the choice between kickball and disc golf. Awesome. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, let's try something new. Let's go with disc golf. So we brought out, went to like local play against boards, bought a few used discs, started playing to get a head start on the whole thing. And, uh, so, uh, we came to the thing and... They're like, okay, three people joined. It's canceled. We're not doing this anymore. So really, the rest is history. It's like we kept going, and here we are. Like, Awesome. So what do you have against kickball? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so what is your most memorable disc golf experience or moment that you've had so far? Oh, my. Um, it's a really hard one. Yeah. It would have to be winning GBO. Yeah. for intermediate women last year because that was an amazing experience even though the third round got canceled but sure 
still, um, either that or placing second at Worlds. So that was, yeah. those are really big moments. But Very cool. Yeah. And did you play intermediate at Worlds as well? No, I played um, juniors oh, yeah. 15 and under at right. Worlds. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your disc golf community? Because I think you're doing some things right at your school or just in your area yeah. to help disc golf. Um, I'm part of a like um, advanced student, so it's like an advanced education um, program called Triple E. And part of that, um, we pick a project that we want to do something more passionate about. Um, so obviously I'm passionate about disc golf. So I'm like, you know what? We need to get disc golf at this school because our school is huge. We have 1,500 people in this high school. So I work all year on a project and I get high school credit for it. So my thing was trying to get a course in the back of our school. And unfortunately, that's probably going to take a little longer since they're putting a park right in the middle of where we (laughs) wanted to put it. So, I mean, it's a work in progress. I'll be in this class next year. So I'll have the same project. Awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, so what are some of your personal disc golf goals? Oh, gosh. Where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely willing, winning a world championship. Yeah. Um, I play G- Junior Worlds this July. Yeah. So I think this, this is really my year. Um, I'm feeling good about my game and yeah. the way it's progressing. Um, I just want to be the best I can be for <laughs> however long. Awesome. really so very cool so are you hoping to go pro then eventually yes. Yes. yeah 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 wonderful what is your favorite thing about where disc golf is at right now because even though you're young you've been playing for a few years and you've seen some things so what what's good right now i think other than the sport is growing because i know that's a typical answer sure. i just think the the amount of recognition that we're getting outside of the sport is booming right now um i mean it's not every day you get some sport no one's ever heard of Mm -hmm. sports center top 10 like it's it's great i think disc golf will only get bigger from here so that's that's really what i'm hoping for very cool so this kind of question kind of goes along with that what do you hope to see happen for disc golf in the future um selfishly i guess bigger payouts sure (laughs) (laughs) i like it um i really want to go pro in the next three four five Mm -hmm. anything under like two three four Mm -hmm. years yeah um so being able to possibly make a living yeah off of doing something that i love is just great so bigger payouts and i think that'll come with time and with recognition and more sponsors for tournaments absolutely yeah very cool all right. So being that you are a junior, how can we get more juniors to play, you think? Don't pressure them. Hmm. Um, a big big thing is making them feel like they're at home and they're having fun because yeah. quickly I was having fun. The course became my second home. It, yeah. was, it was great. So making sure they have that atmosphere where they can be themselves but also do this thing that's fun, it's just – it's vital to – if you want them to continue doing it. Yeah. Very good. So another question you can solve for us. (laughs) How can we get more women to play, you think? That's a good question. (laughs) It's a question that's been answered, but yeah, there's so many different ways we can do it. It's 
making women, like I said, with juniors feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, I've gone to many tournaments where I was one of like four or five women, maybe. Mm-hmm. So going to those tournaments, I'm surrounded by men. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's fine. But <laughs> I mean, we had the Diva Spring Fever today. Like yeah. that's it's huge because that was my first tournament like three years ago. Coming into that, I felt like, hey, this is like a community I want to be yeah. a part of. So making sure that they have that community around them that they can continue to like thrive off of and c- continue with. It's it's big, big. Mm-hmm. Whether they they play well or not at first, it's making sure they feel that the community is backing them up. Yeah, that's really wonderful. All right. Any shout outs or anything else you'd like our listeners to know? I want to give a shout out to my friend Nova for yeah. winning advance today at awesome. Diva Spring Fever. That was awesome. One in a playoff. Yeah. Parked the whole tap in. Yep. It was done. So cool. Yeah. I want to thank my sponsors, Dynamic Discs, Smoke and Aces Disc Golf, um, Laron Harris in the Human Parliament, and Whale Sacks. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Cynthia. I am here with Ava Meyer. Ava, thank you so much for joining us today. So, Ava, how did you start playing disc golf? I started because my dad was playing, and I liked going out with him and walking. I used to just like putting discs in a basket, then I would throw a few shots, and then I started just playing competitively. Very cool. And how old are you now? Nine. And how old were you when you started playing? Seven. Very cool. So a couple years. And what's your favorite thing about disc golf? Probably that you get to be with family and friends. Mm -hmm. Very cool. And what's your most memorable disc golf experience that you've had so far? Um, GBO 2017. I hit an ace. Wow. Well, we weren't actually playing, but it was on the thing before yeah uh, I was the only one who had an ace <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> that is not something I can say yet but maybe someday <laughs> uh wonderful so you played in worlds last year yes. and what was that experience like for you I really liked it I met two new friends who are on my card every day and mm-hmm. I thought it was a really neat experience very cool and what discs do you like to throw? Um, diamond, Proof, and Ruby. Very those cool. Those are my three favorite discs. Yeah, those are great discs. So are you looking forward to Junior Worlds in Emporia this year? I saw that you're signed up. Yes, I'm very excited. Awesome. What are you excited about? Um, I don't know. I just think it's really exciting that they're having it in Emporia, not somewhere else. Right, because you have your like, own worlds for the, juniors. The this pros, year. yeah, have theirs there almost every year, but the juniors are only having it there for three years, definite. But mm-hmm. it's really exciting. Yeah, it's neat to have your own worlds. So, do you have any goals for disc golf? Um, putting better and driving better. Awesome, I like that a lot. And what can the disc golf community do to help you achieve your goals and help you have as much fun as possible? Um, They can put on junior tournaments and, yeah, they can put on junior tournaments and get the word out. Awesome. Through other juniors as well. That's really good. And that was my next question is what 
we can do to help get more juniors to play? And I think you kind of answered that. Any other ideas about what we can do to help get more juniors out there like you? Um, get more adults playing, and then they can show their kids, and then they can show their friends. It can grow the sport that way. What was it like playing with Ricky Wysocki as your partner? I think it was really fun. I got to play a few holes with him, but I thought it was really fun. Yeah. And your most recent time playing, I saw you smash a throw on Tina Stenitis's Instagram and Facebook. So I'm sure that's still out there for people to go check out too, which is really, really cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ava. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Go check out the La Nina Open Facebook page. It's a women's only disc golf event. And Chris Rodriguez is giving away nine baskets in a raffle. So go check that out. You could enter that raffle and get your chance to own and open your own nine hole course. Welcome back. I'd like to start by doing a wrap up of the WGE and our event here in Kansas City. So in case you missed it, here's the Women's Global Event by the Numbers. We had 2,105 participants in 39 states. There were 80 events worldwide, and that included 14 countries. So a huge amount of growth. Uh, Certainly a lot of thanks to the um, PDGA Women's Committee for all of their hard work of making this happen, all the tournament directors, just lots and lots of people involved. It's really cool. And congrats to Sarah Hokum on her overall win. And then uh, Kona Pena, shout out to her. She had the hot round of all WGE rounds. She had a 10-10 rated round, which is really high. So uh, we had about 89 juniors competing in junior divisions around the world. And there are probably some other juniors like uh, Cynthia that didn't compete in junior divisions but are of a junior age and were uh, competing out there. So that's really cool. So let's turn to our local event here, the Diva Spring FIVA. We had the most players out of any event, which is incredible. Uh, We had 137. So Lupe, what are your thoughts on our tournament here and the experience that you had? It was my first uh, Diva Fiva. It was tons of fun, a blast, exactly as described. Everyone talks about how it's the go-to tournament for women of the year. It was a... It really felt more like a social event than a competitive event. Not to say that people weren't being competitive or or once they got up to the pad, they weren't there to play. But it was just so friendly and it really made you feel like you were just playing around with friends. There wasn't anything where um, you were a little bit nervous, nothing like that. Uh, Honestly, it was probably the best tournament I've ever played in. Yeah. So, Amy, you have kind of a unique perspective in this because you were heavily involved in both planning and you played as well. I think your official title was volunteer coordinator, but I know you're doing a ton (laughs) of behind the scenes stuff. So what are your thoughts on our event that we had here? Well, first of all, I can't say enough kind words about Rhonda. Yeah. When we get together and plan stuff, I mean, I've, I've been part of planning it every year that we've had it, all four. Yeah. And Rhonda has so much um, excitement and passion. And, you know, apart from those non-tangible things, she has skills and abilities that um, I just can't wrap my mind about being being inside of a person. Um, So she's really the heart and soul of this tournament. 
and she puts everything that she has into it. She loves doing it. Mm-hmm. She loves having the women come. She loves the women who come, even the ones she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't get the opportunity <laughs> yeah. to meet. And Absolutely. she could sit down and talk to everyone. I think she would love that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for me, um, I can tell you that when Sunday rolled around, I was spent yeah. completely. And I don't get an opportunity to sleep in much, but I don't, I'm not a late sleeper anyway. And I was in bed until noon on Sunday. So conveniently it was mother's day. So everybody was pretty cool with it. Um, but it it was a great time. Um, and you guys did a really great job with player packs and those flags were incredible. I know it's kind of a weird thing to mention, but we had pink flags outlining the pink course, green flags outlining the green course. They had, uh, sponsor logos on them they were perfect honestly yeah. you could see them as soon as you turn the corner to get to the park and it just looked spectacular it did we we went out and played um the next day or two after that and as we crested the hill i said oh look at that sad yellow flag yeah. I just, it's not the same it, it wasn't no yeah, and shout out to ann quaid because i think she pretty much was the one that made the flags Is that yeah right? um jeff yeah. at disc golf nomad okay. printed them for us awesome. and and uh then ann prettied them up and yeah. Uh, got them ready to go on there. Fantastic. Yeah, and we had a cool, you know, volunteer um, team that that was working together uh, behind the scenes to just make the tournament run as smoothly as possible and be um, super cool. So, Amy, you've gotten to see the tournament grow over the years, and in what your in your opinion, what do you think it is that draws so many players to the tournament that it's grown every single time? We, we do have a good players pack. Yeah, we, yeah. Um, we, we do. And I think that a lot of women enjoy the camaraderie that Lupe was talking about. They, you know, you want to come and you play your best. Why would you do anything and not try to do your best? Yeah. But there is a different dynamic um, women getting together and competing than there is mm-hmm. with men getting together yeah. and competing. And so I think that women enjoy that very much. And mm-hmm. um, we try to do what we can to foster that environment. Yeah. And I think, you know, shout out to to Ben Crosby and um, everyone else that was involved because we kind of faced a really weird problem, but a good one this year in that the tournament sold out in what was it, like three days? Uh, yeah, four, I think four. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the plan was to have a cap at 90, but it sold out so fast that Everyone kind of worked to figure out how to make it that we could have as many players as possible. And um, Ben and some others created two unique courses on kind of what's one and two thirds course. Um, Because for the women's global event, you have to play the exact same course both rounds. And it was just kind of this really funky, unique problem, but it worked out really great. I really liked the courses. There was definitely challenge, uh, a lot of very attackable holes too, which was really fun, uh, a little bit unique from some of the other tournaments. So that was really neat too. So we have a related question from our friend Jerry. He asked on Facebook, Diva Fiva had 137 female players. KC tournaments in general have maybe 10 female players. Why is that? How can TDs like myself get more ladies out to their events? And I have some ideas about this, but what do you think, Lupe? Um, For me, I think that um, when you know that it's going to be a tournament that's just all women, 
even new players are more inclined to go out and say, okay, you know what, I'll sign up. Or if they know someone who's already playing, they'll yeah. sign up. With traditional tournaments, I feel like if you don't know someone there, you're less likely to jump in. Some women are, you know, they're gung-ho 100% of the time. They'll jump both feet in first into the abyss. They don't care that if they want to do it, they'll play. But let's be honest, if we want to reach a broader range of women, we have to take into consideration that the old joke is why do women go to the bathroom in pairs? Well, it's more of a comfort thing. Like, mm-hmm. um, if you know someone there, you'll go. What do you think, Amy? Um, that that's exactly what I thought of, uh, too. That the women's global events and women's tournaments in general are events. I mean, that's why it's called that. It's not right. it's not just a tournament. It's something you look forward to. Mm-hmm. Women, women will tell you. I look. I put it on my calendar I, as soon as I know mm-hmm. that it's going to happen. Right. Um, so it's it's not the um, the tournament itself. I I don't know. I think that for the most part, in a general tournament atmosphere you're I don't know if they're ever going to get even close to the numbers I don't know I'm sure that's not what people like to hear but and if you look at those tournament names whenever I'm signing up for one if it's just your regular tournament on a Saturday Sunday it's the same names over and over again yeah you know it takes a lot of work to talk a friend who's never heard of disc golf Mm -hmm. isn't even remotely you know active or or has any interest in being outside on a hot, yeah. humid day to come out to a women's league, let alone a tournament and say and pay money right. to play a sport that they've never heard of and to potentially not even be on your card after, um, you know, you guys get a set of different scores, mm-hmm. you know, one round one to round two. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, it really is an event, right? Like every spring FIVA, we have groups of women from uh, outside the area come and like they wear matching t-shirts yeah. and they do <laughs> stuff together and it's awesome. But it is like a special event on the calendar. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily going to be sustainable that we see those kinds of numbers at local tournaments. Mm-hmm. However, that being said, I am an example of somebody that um you know got really excited about disc golf a couple years ago was not a place that i could play tournaments but i really love um competitive sports and i really wanted to be able to play more tournaments so i was able to kind of rearrange my life just a little bit and now i'm you know hopefully gonna be playing at least 10 tournaments this year so i'm i'm a pickup right like (laughs) i am a new face on the scene that is playing women's disc golf tournaments Um, So I think we'll like continue to see that, but there is also that reality of having time and space in your life for it. And we actually put a survey out on our Facebook page, um, which we got some responses to, and it's still open. So if you have some thoughts, please feel free to go out there and take that survey. It's anonymous. But we just asked if you only play one woman's tournament a year and no other tournaments, why is that? And the answer so far, kind of what you would expect, it's time constraints, work schedules, um, obligations, and things like that. So there is a lot that can get in the way, right? Like to Amy's point, you know, you've got three people in your family who want to play disc golf, but you've got other kids. And there's just, you know, it's just this reality of schedules and and making it work so we've talked a little bit sorry amy do you have something i did have i did have one other thing 
because I realized we actually didn't give even one uh, practical suggestion (laughs) for the tournament directors. That's true. (laughs) Okay. But um, I got a a message on Facebook uh, three weeks ago, maybe, from a guy who was saying exactly that. We cannot get any women to come out to our leagues or our tournaments. Do you have, and I assume that he got my name somehow connected with Diva Fever. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he said, you know, we've got two ladies who are somewhat active. And my suggestion to him was talk to them. Right. You are probably not going to be able to do a whole lot to recruit Mm -hmm. women to come. But the fact that he was asking the question was um, important. And if he's wanting to do that, uh, that, that's another thing that's kind of a peeve of mine. (laughs) I feel like there has been... Sorry, I'm getting off track. No, no, We'll we'll go back to that. Please do. (laughs) I think that some people look at it like they want every single tournament director to put a lot of effort into recruiting women, and I don't think that's a good idea. The only way that a tournament is going to successfully recruit any women to play is if the tournament director wants it to happen. Yeah. Um, I don't want a tournament director to try to get me to come play just because it's the thing to do right now and get sure, women yeah. in his tournament. Yeah. So um, that aside, you know, you said Jerry asked this question. He wants women to come play. I yeah. know that. So um, what I told this guy was talk to those two women who do come yeah. and find out why they come, find out who they play with normally and just say, hey, you know, invite them. Specifically, right. ask them. You know, find one or two people and invite them to come with you, mm-hmm. and I will card you together. You know, whatever. And again, the comfort zone thing that that Lupe yeah, yeah. mentioned, because um, it is weird. You know, when I go, I have been the only woman in a tournament mm-hmm. occasionally. Same. It yeah. is weird for me to be with a bunch of guys that I don't know, because mm-hmm. um, the the people who I tend to be around have a certain mannerism, I guess, or like, I know what to expect from them. And if I'm on a card with a bunch of guys who are kind of crass and you know, whatever, that's not fun for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I am not going to say, excuse me, you need to just do this and be act this way because I'm here, but I don't go to a tournament to um, feel bad or to feel secondhand. So, um, so I think that that is important. Ask mm-hmm. your women who you do know that play to please bring one person. Yeah. Just bring one. Yeah. And it it starts to snowball too. You know, the more women that you have at a tournament, the more that are probably going to sign up because they're going to look at that division and say, oh, hey, I'm actually going to have some other women um, to play with. Uh, going back to Jerry who asked that question, his events are a great example of how you can start that snowball too. They're low barrier, low cost mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. low cost events in comparison to right. other tournaments. Yes, there's not a player's pack, but it's you're there to play. You get, you know, a few bucks back here and there. But low cost, it's not PDGA sanctioned. So it's a more relaxed atmosphere. And, you know, you feel comfortable telling someone, hey, just come play. You know what? I'll cover it this time. If you like it, then you can keep right. coming. It's on you if you want to go ahead and do that. I yeah. usually do. But, um, you know, it's all up to the women that are playing at this moment, not necessarily the Mm -hmm. TD director. No, I think that's really good. And the only thing I would add is I think if women's disc golf is something you're passionate about, if it's something you care about, it's probably time to step up and run a women's tournament. We need more women's tournaments. Um, There is no reason why... I, I mean, I honestly believe if we had, let's say, one more women's tournament run by somebody else, give these poor people a break, even though they're <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but if we had another women's tournament, let's say in September, 
or maybe we could do, you know, a throw pink October type situation. Mm -hmm. I don't think the numbers would maybe be as large, but we would still get women out. You know, I don't think it's unreasonable to go for a couple times a year. And we do have the Heartland Women's Series here. um, And I'm planning on trying to play some of those as well. So there are other um, tournaments already happening. So let's go to those. Mm -hmm. That's a good plan. But... You know, if you're somebody who's asking these questions of how can I get more women to play, you know, stick your foot out and try a woman's only event and see what happens. And you can be creative about it. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to follow the standard two round in a day thing. Maybe we have a one rounder, you know, that we just really promote to women and new women. I mean, the the recreational women's um, division worldwide was like the biggest mm-hmm. uh, at the Women's Global event. It was 400 something. It was just really, really, really large. And I think it was something like f- somewhere between 30 and 40% of the women that played the Women's Global event are not PDGA members. So again, I, th- I really love sanctioned play personally, so I'd like to see more sanctioned stuff, but also having maybe an unsanctioned women's only tournament where it's still competitive, it's still everything, you know, we like about disc golf, uh, but just something for women. See what happens. Let's transition to juniors. Amy, you have a son that is an active junior player, so can you give us some thoughts about junior play from your perspective? For starters, because our... Um... Ours, we have five boys. They range from age seven to age 15. And our nine-year-old is the one who is most active. Um, when he started throwing a couple years ago with us, he would go out and um, got into it fairly quickly, and we liked it. So one thing that's really important is um, to go out not with the expectation of your child joining you for a round, but I'm in the park throwing frisbees with my son or daughter and we're going to do it at their pace and we're going to be done when he or she is done Mm -hmm. and we're going to, you know, take a break in the middle, whatever it is. Even, (laughs) um, there was, I remember one specific tournament that, um, Jonas was the only junior and he was on a card with the rec or novice men and they thought it was, was cool and they liked to watch him throw but he was still, I mean, this was last year, I think it was last year, um, seven or eight years old. So that's a long time to stay focused. Yeah. And I would make sure to give him direction of, well, you can do this, but you know, be aware of the guy on the tee pad or right. you, there's a line over here they're going to be throwing. But he would stop and while we were waiting and he would climb a tree. Yeah. Or, you know, it's not his turn on the tee pad. And I'm like, why don't you go see if you can find any frogs in that creek? Right. Stuff like that. Right. They're not going to stay yeah. focused and in the game. And that's okay. Yeah. So when they enjoy it now, then that their interest will grow. Mm-hmm. So you just have to really be on their timetable and be okay with it. Um, I did ask Jonas and my other boys what they thought about how can you get more kids into it. And he and the next older um, older son, Ben, they both specifically requested me to give them a shout out. So Ben and <laughs> Jonas. Up, ben and Jonas? <laughs> um, they both um, right off the bat said, well, why can't we should teach it more in schools? Yeah. And I know at their elementary school, their um, PE teacher is looking for new things. You know, she doesn't want to do the same thing every yeah. year all the time. So I think a lot of PE teachers will be open to that. Like with any uh, sport that kids are in, be encouraging. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ava's dad said this earlier when she started going out, people would just, you know, she threw it 
Yeah. She, she threw, it went the right direction. Well, yeah. that's great, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so um, be encouraging. There's always something that you can find um, positive to say. I mean, don't mm-hmm. give them hollow compliments. I mean, right. kids aren't dumb. Right. So um, be encouraging and, and point out the things that they did get right oh. so that they can see those things. Because just like adults, it's sometimes easy to lose track of what went right and only think, oh, that didn't go, I didn't go in the basket. Mm-hmm. Well, but you hit the, you're 40 feet away and you just hit the, cha- the chains, it bounced yeah. out or you hit whatever, your line was perfect. Jonas likes to compete. Mm-hmm. He always wants to find a tournament to play. Yeah. Um, and he does enjoy a lot playing with other kids. So when you, when you have tournaments, you can, you can do a, a sort of a, I don't know if be called a side tournament. I don't understand very thoroughly all the rules about what's okay with um with pdga and stuff but you can have a a kind of a side event for example if you have um here at blue valley we've got the big giant course that's you know jonas has played he doesn't play from all the long tee pads to all the long pins (laughs) i don't want to play from all the long tee pads (laughs) but they've got the other small the you know the nine hole course which is still challenging with all the elevation changes and stuff but you know, you can put kids and they can just play um, instead of two rounds of 18. Well, why don't they just have a, it can be considered one round, but they take a break in the middle after yeah. nine holes. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to think about um, shortening the holes, obviously. I mean, people talk about that, but some of the specifics are, you know, think if you're going to go to a tournament and um, they've got half of the holes are 1500 feet yeah are you going to be tired and are you going to think i don't know if i can finish this yeah that's the same thing for any you know six seven eight nine ten year old kid who's playing a four or five hundred foot hole that's their experience yeah so um shortening the holes uh lines that you can see one one thing that dawned on us was um kids are short yeah (laughs) so they sometimes simply can't see where they're going right and we're but it's right there we would say that it's right it's how do you not see that oh because you're only four feet tall right that's such a good point so that's another one too as you're thinking about designing the hole for them yeah um i think most kids at least the kids who have i who i've seen play they don't want to just go and throw in big open fields they want to be able to say I looked at this and I wanted it to turn right, right. and it did. Right. Yeah. I looked at this and I saw this tree and I went around it. Yeah. So d- don't give them stuff that's just um, simple, toss it out. You know, yeah. th- don't make it feel like an afterthought. Make it feel like you yeah. designed it for them. And to your point about education, um, if you're a PE teacher listening or if you have kids involved in school or whatever else we do have two different set of curriculum that exists now so zoe and dyke and dustin keegan have the you play disc golf curriculum and then uh yeti and des have the edge curriculum so those are out there definitely look into them let's go to some questions from facebook because we got some really good ones about junior stiff uh first question was is it hard to find other junior players to play with amy Matt and I are pretty active in disc golf, so we know a fair amount of people um, mm-hmm. right right around town. We've traveled enough that even when we go out of town, we um, can find one or two kids. Okay. Um, but I think if if the parents are just casual players and they don't have a, a, a right. lot of involvement in the community, then yeah, it definitely would be. Yeah. And it kind of seems like in terms of sanctioned tournament play it is really tricky Mm -hmm. it can be anyway because i know i've been at tournaments where jonas was the only junior 
Um, so it is kind of kind of similar to where women's disc golf is at, that mm-hmm. maybe we need to start being a little bit more forward thinking about uh, ways to include juniors. And I have some thoughts about that, too. Uh, I thought this was a really interesting question, Amy. Are there many junior players whose parents aren't disc golfers? Have you encountered that? I can't think of any. Yeah. Jonas couldn't think of any. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because it's not that common in schools, where are they going right. to find out about it? Which I thought that was kind of a neat thing that Ava Meyer said, right? That her insight into how to get more juniors playing is to get more adults playing mm-hmm. and that they can get their kids involved. And that would tell me in her experience, too, that pretty much yeah. most of the kids have parents that play. And I will say, though, Ava makes a really good point because... Uh, there's a nice empty field across the street from my house and sometimes I'll just throw putters you know see if I can forehand them see if I can throw them straight and my neighbor's kid who I think is like nine yeah saw me throwing those and she asked her mom for some discs so that she could play the way that I do and she's never talked to me about this she never went up to me and said can I throw (laughs) she just went ahead and asked her mom hey can you get me this that's awesome (laughs) so Ava makes a really good point if people if kids see you playing disc golf they'll be more inclined to say hey what's that and can I do it yeah All right, so Amy, would you encourage more kids to stay in junior divisions as opposed to rec, intermediate, et cetera? And that depends heavily on the age of the kid and their skill. Um, They don't want to be last all the time. Like I said, Jonas is nine. If If he was playing rec, he would be last all the time. Right. And we have tried to... Um, make sure that when he is playing, whether he's with other people or not, that he's competing against himself. Yeah. How do you usually throw? How right. do you think you did today? Right. I, I think anyone, whether you're a junior or not, you should play where you feel like your skill set yeah. puts you. Yeah. So if you're 15 and you can throw 325 feet, yeah. you probably don't need to play right. juniors. You right. know, they, Everybody has their own yeah. goals. So sometimes, you know, I, I might say, well, why are you still playing juniors? Well, because they want to do yeah. X, Y, or Z. They want right. to check it off their list before they move on. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, that's a very individual question. And it's so tournament specific too, right? So let's take Cynthia, for instance. I mean, Cynthia is like 850 plus rated, I think, <laughs> right now. So yeah, at a local tournament, it doesn't really make any sense for her to be playing uh, under 18 junior. Yeah. But at Junior Worlds, it makes perfect sense because there's going to be a bunch of other people in her division to actually compete against. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this next question I really like, and it's from Elizabeth Nunn-George, and her daughter was the youngest player in the Women's Global event, which is awesome. (laughs) And here's what she says. She says, what are we doing to help younger players enjoy tournaments? As the mom of the youngest player for WGE, she played the same layout as everyone else. Those holes are par six for her effectively. It took her 187 throws for 18 holes. She will be five in October. So FJ for an FJ six is within the two years time span per division. We had the same issue with uh, Waco juniors for the six and under group. The holes were up to 488 feet and they struggled a lot. How do we advise tournament directors? How do we calculate ratings for them and keep it fun and still competitive? And Amy, I know you touched on this a little bit, but to your point about you know trying to figure out how the pdga calculates everything like i would say yo pdga we need to figure this out we need to have alternate tees for juniors i just it's so discouraging to you know we say that we want to get these 
juniors out to tournaments and you know we always celebrate them and we should at every tournament that they come out to but we have to find a way to make it a little bit more encouraging to them I would say what do you think Amy um well, first, good job to Elizabeth Nunn George's daughter. Heck yes. That's amazing. I mean, that's, that's a lot of strokes. Yeah. <laughs> I am so proud of that child. Yeah, right. Um, I think the PDGA, I think over the last year or two, they have um, modified whatever algorithm it is that they mm-hmm. use to calculate ratings. So um, it's getting a little easier yeah. to get that done. Um, yeah, because last year at the Spring Fever, we had alternate tees for mm-hmm. juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, and that certainly helped the flow of play, and I assume probably was a more enjoyable experience mm-hmm. for them than throwing at Swope some of those really long yeah. holes. Well, there are some other things um, that you can modify other than just the distances. Right. You know, for example, um, if you have a hole that the adults are playing as an island hole, you know, you have to make it onto the green. Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes a child might be the only one in their division who can't make that. Sure. And that's okay. So you modify it for them. You just say for, for the, for this, the juniors, whatever it is, 12 and under or Mm -hmm. wherever you want to draw the line. Well, they get one try and then they go to drop zone and that's it. Um, you can just say that division's not playing the OBs. I mean, there are, there are things Mm -hmm. that you can, um, adjust that will make it, um, still fun. You know, they got the chance to try it, but, um, but it's not discouraging. Maybe if they set up tournaments at those nine hole courses, right? You know, like uh, like you mentioned, Blue Valley, yeah. tons of elevation. I get tired getting yeah. going up. That. <laughs> That's my home course. I'm playing those yeah. nine holes with my dog, and I'm like, oh, I'm tired. I can't keep up with you. You go, you go on. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, I think that would be a great idea, like hosting a maybe even a school sponsored tournament where mm-hmm. if it's a course that's attached to a school like Fox Hills, yeah, get the school involved, see if you can get any of the kids to come in, parents to come in, make it a big deal for them. Yeah. That might work. I like it. Um, and there's a lot of growing opportunities for juniors right now too, which is really cool. We like we've mentioned we've got worlds in Emporia the next three years, just a junior specific worlds, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, I'm sure they're going to do a great job down there because that's been our experience. And then are you all familiar with Kids Disc Golf? It's an East Coast Mm -hmm. thing, and they're doing some really cool stuff with uh, kids-only tournaments. They have – you can get your own number with Kids Disc Golf, so kind of like a PDGA number but specific to that. Uh, They're doing some really cool Mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah, actually – uh, there is a, a page that's only if you have a junior, so okay. just not anybody can get on it. Um, but there were some threads the other day that I just took some screenshots of that have suggestions. Like one of them is a chart, you know, for which divisions, how long is an ideal hole for if it's a competitive yeah. tournament atmosphere or if you're just playing casually. So if you want to put those up on the on yeah. your yeah, site, we'll we could maybe do that. Put a link on mm-hmm. Facebook at least to those. All right. Cool. Very good discussion. We'll take a short break. And when we come back, some listener questions. And we're back with a couple of listener questions. So Sarah Hokum, shout out to Sarah. What's up? She said, maybe discuss the advantages, disadvantages of playing in one person divisions. Now, nobody has played in as many one-person divisions that I know as Nova Polite, so I did a little phone-a-friend, and here's what Nova had to say. Hi, Sarah. Great question. 
I've been the gal at a lot of tournaments, and it's always interesting to me to see what division I'm going to get carded with because I've got to play with somebody. I've learned a lot about the cultures, if you will, of different men's divisions by playing rounds with open, masters, grandmasters, intermediate, and even rec. I've played with touring pros with thousand-rated manners, and I've had to give on-the-spot mini-clinics on what the lie is because literally nobody else on the card knew. I spent all of 2016 being the gal in FPO at a series of local C-tiers, and aside from getting my entry fee back, minus five bucks, I was basically out there making rated rounds and getting series points. I guess it was great that I was guaranteed not to donate my entire entry fee to somebody else if I did poorly, but I really wasn't earning anything either. Back to you, Becca. So, do you guys have any thoughts? Lupe, you mentioned you've played in one-person divisions sometimes. Yep. No, I completely agree with her. Um, the biggest advantage is getting your money back <laughs> most <laughs> of the time. Hey, fair. You know, it's... It it doesn't feel good to be to win because of a default. It just doesn't. But yeah. it is what it is. If I win, great. I'm pretty uh, much a go with the flow kind of person. Um, I will play with anybody. I'm, you know, I people can behave however they want. I'm gonna behave however I, I'm I want, and it usually works out pretty well. But sometimes it just feel awkward when you're playing with a bunch of guys and you can tell that they feel really stiff, that they don't know how to talk to you or how to approach you. <laughs> or they kind of like huddle together and you're like, okay, should I huddle with them and talk or should I stand over here to the side? Yeah. Like those are the biggest disadvantages. If you're not an independent person like a lot of us are, um, then it's not going to be fun for long. You'll yeah. play one or two and then you're like, forget this. I'm not going to do this. Yeah. I'll just go to league or I'll just play by myself or with my significant <laughs> other. But yeah, I think that's the biggest disadvantage advantage yeah. biggest advantage is you get to play with a wider range of people than you usually yeah. would but that's about it for me okay from kaylee she asks i've often heard that when throwing with wind you need an overstable less glidey and heavier disc however most women myself included throw understable and lighter discs what discs should we throw given these circumstances what other techniques should we use when throwing in higher wind I love this question because it's something I've learned a ton about, I would say, in the last eight months. Lupe and I played the Raymore Rumble last year, and it was such a fun course, and it was super windy, and I had never played in wind before, and I had no idea what I was doing, and it was really, really, really bad. My discs went very much not in their intended place, and that's why I'm so excited because now I know how to play in the wind uh, from learning from other people and just a lot of trial and error. Okay, so... Here's kind of an overview of what I would say about playing in the wind, and then I'll get y'all's input too. So when you are throwing into a headwind, so when the wind is coming at your face, you want to throw something more overstable. Now, I, like you, throw lighter weight discs, and I have a magic disc, and this is not a paid-for plug, but here it comes because it's that magic. I throw the MVP Photon in a plasma plastic at 152 grams and it like defies physics it makes no sense because it flies exactly how i want it to in a headwind even though it's incredibly lightweight it's really really awesome now if you are in a headwind do not throw an understable disc it's a very 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 bad plan unless you want to go hard right as a right hand backhand player The headwind is going to make your understable disc way more understable and it's going to fly to the right 
The reverse then is true that if you're in a tailwind, your understable disc is going to fly more stable. So you want to keep that in mind. Uh, shout out to Kayleen Kincaid, who helped me learn about throwing in the wind. Uh, so if you have a tailwind, it's a good idea to maybe disc down a little bit. Uh, and also that understability is a good plan unless, you know, you're trying to go really hard left or at a hard angle. Um, throwing an Annie is going to be a little bit more difficult. All right. Input from others. Do you guys have thoughts about the wind? Um, I have gotten to the point where I don't mind it yeah. anymore. Um, I don't change up my bag. What is in my bag is always in my bag. Yeah. Um, I might, I, I tend to carry um, the same disc. Like I only have what five, five different molds, sure. but I have more than one of each one right. in my bag. Um, so I might throw in an extra Firebird, for example, if it's especially windy. Yeah. But very often, I don't add or take anything out of my bag. And it was helpful to me. I need, like, you just rattled all that off. And if I didn't already know that, yeah. I would not remember a single thing you just said. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, it's very helpful to know a little bit about why something is. Yeah. So when you're throwing, whatever speed you're throwing, the more speed, the more your disc is going to turn. So if you think, okay, I'm going to use a random number that's easy. If you think I throw this disc and it's going 50 miles an hour in a headwind because the wind is moving past your disc, it's mm -hmm. as if your disc is moving at 80 miles an hour instead. Right. So it turns more. So yeah, that might be helpful for somebody else. And yeah. then, you know, the flip side of that for a tailwind, well, it's active, it's acting, the wind is making it seem to the disc as if it's moving more slowly. Yeah. So it's going to be more stable. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, and I'm like Amy. Um, I keep the same discs in my bag. I actually throw almost all over stable. I don't throw anything under stable except for my hatchet. And my arm speed is not to the point where it's a roller like it is for many others because everybody's like, oh, that's a roller. I'm like, not for me. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And a fuse. That's it. So yeah. if I'm throwing in the wind, I'm... I'm usually fine. Like, I don't need to change anything. Sure. My discs are all over stable, and I already know how they're going to fly for me in the wind. You can't live and play in Kansas City without knowing how they're <laughs> going to fly in the wind. It's true. And the other thing to think about, obviously, too, is nose angle. Uh, exposing that flight plate is going to be a much bigger deal in the wind. Uh, so you want to just kind of keep the nose angle kind of related in the same way with headwind and tailwind. Um, like we mentioned in terms of overstable and understable. So hopefully that makes sense. Cause like I said, that's like probably the one aspect of my game to Lupe's point that I'm most excited about because it's like never not windy here, except yeah. on non-tournament days. On non-tournament days, the weather's lovely, but it seems <laughs> like as soon as it's time to compete for um, sanctioned ratings purposes, it gets really windy. Yeah. That's uh -huh. also why I throw all max weight. Yeah. I actually don't throw any lightweight discs except a diamond, which kind of comes in and out because I don't trust it as much as sure. my heavier discs. Right. Yep. You know, that's something else you just said because you don't trust it. I don't. And that, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, that's something that I've learned so much. And I will say this to myself on the T-pad if I'm going back and forth between two discs. Whichever one I choose is the right one. Yeah. yeah. And as long as you decide this is the right thing to throw now you will trust what you're about to do yep. and you'll let the disc do what it Absolutely. wants to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love it. And now for a quick wrap up of FPO action from the last few weeks. Uh, since we last recorded, 
uh, we, there was the Nick Hyde Memorial Tournament that Sarah Hokum really dominated and had a great win at. So congratulations to her. This weekend was the Masters Cup and Paige won in dominating fashion. As per the usual, she remains undefeated on the season. And I'm sure you've probably heard about by now that unfortunately, uh, Valerie Jenkins was disqualified from the Masters Cup. I don't have any details on that beside it being um, a caddy violation. So bummed to not see Valerie finish. She was playing really, really well, but... She is signed up next week for the San Francisco Open, so excited to see her back out then. And speaking of the San Francisco Open, hopefully you caught Nova and I on the uh, Pro Tour talk this last week. If you didn't, go ahead and go check that out uh, with Steve Dodge. Thanks again to Steve for having us. But really exciting things happening in terms of FPO coverage at the San Francisco Open. They're going to try to cover all the women's cards and all the women's shots. And then I believe they're going to do a highlight reel of all the FPO cards and then actually do a shot by shot um, coverage of the feature and lead cards that's going to play actually before the live coverage of the MPO. So definitely check that out. Definitely let us know what you think about. Let Steve know what you think about that. Uh, Steve is definitely trying to improve FPO coverage and it's really cool that he's experimenting. So really looking forward to that. All right, that's our show. Any shout outs, Lupe? You know, I just want to give a shout out to whoever put on Disc Golf Day yesterday. It was a lot of fun, a lot of different activities, had that that cool like mini course. I didn't get to play any of them. I had to leave as soon as my round was over, but it was just so much fun. And we had a card of like six women. Yeah. And then we had others join us, you know, as the card went on. But yeah, it was a ton of fun. Got to play with a lot of gals whose home course is uh, Waterworks. And then, you know, obviously Rhonda and Tina Patterson were there so big shout out to whoever put on that event because it was great and i love my koozie right on. i believe that was brent seamers who was primarily yes. involved then with big that. shout out to brent. Yay, brent thank you for the great event awesome. <laughs> any shout outs amy you know um since this is ladies of the chains i think that i would like to give a shout out to allison wiley yeah. and the other girls from des moines who we talked about women's tournaments yes. earlier oh, yeah. They put on their first women's tournament um, in April, I yeah. think in April. Yeah. And I went up to that. Actually, they had one day it was juniors, the next day yeah. it was oh. uh, or vice versa, right. women's. And they had about 35 ladies, if I remember yeah. correctly. Oh. Um, they had 15 juniors or so. And um, it was wonderful. It was a great experience. They did a good job. They um, put it together in a really short <laughs> uh, length of time. But um, yeah, those ladies in Des Moines are around Des Moines are doing some good things for women's disc golf. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you so much for listening. My thanks to Lupe, Amy, Cynthia, and Ava for joining me today. If you are interested in supporting the podcast, visit our website, ladiesofthechains.com, where you can click on the support button or email us if you are interested in a sponsorship. Thank you so much for all of our uh, new Patreon support. I really appreciate it. Shout out to DZ Discs, where the disc you see is the disc you get. You, your support will enable the podcast to continue and grow. You can also find us on Facebook or email us your questions and comments to ladiesofthechains at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, if you would be so kind to rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening on, have a great couple of weeks, and we'll see you next time here on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast.